Hey, Bethel Cleveland listeners. We just want to remind you that we've launched a brand new show called the Steve Witt Podcast. Each week, join Steve Witt as he goes further into the word and he offers his unique perspective on the things going on around the world. You don't want to miss this, so check it out. Search Bethel Cleveland on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. Enjoy. Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right. So many opportunities to give and be a part. I love that testimony from that young man. I just, even though I didn't understand a word he said, I was so glad they put the uh, words up there. But uh, I love where there was no clothes and now there are. I mean, it's a great story of what the Lord is doing in Kenya. And those are friends of ours, um, Chloe uh, Glassboro. And we're so uh, thankful for them and all that they do. Hey, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter five. We're in the middle of a series called, no, we're not in the middle, we're toward the end of a series called Word. And uh, Word is what you would think it would be. It's about the Word of God, particularly the Bible and the powerful influence of the Word of God and what the Bible does to each one of us. I love that he sent his word and they were healed. Like there's power when you speak. I mean, there's power when you confess and prophesy over people. I don't know how this works in heaven, but when you speak scripture, when you speak the words of Jesus, there's transformational, restorational, healing power that comes into people's hearts and in minds just by confessing something over their life that may have, they may have heard a hundred times, but in the right moment, it becomes a transformative word in their life. And so we've been focusing on that because I think in this time right now where words are being twisted, things are happening in our culture in America so fast right now that if you do not have a solid foundation, that when the rains come and the winds come, you could collapse. But the word of God, Jesus spoke about it himself. I referred to it last week. When you build your house on the rock, when winds and waves come, the house on the rock stands firm. That's you. That's the word of God going into your life, shaping your life. And the added bonus is, is that he just shapes our life as he brings the word of God. As you study the Bible on a daily basis, it gets inside of you and recalibrates your very soul. It's nutritional, spiritual eating when you take in the Word of God. And even right now, when I'm preaching, kerygma, the biblical word for preaching, the kerygma is the releasing of the Word. When you attach that with faith, it says in Hebrews that you will be profited by that. What that means, it depends on, I guess, what you need profiting in right now. But when you attach faith to it and say, I believe in that, I think that's for me. I think God is speaking to me. Amazing things happen. Hey, before I get into Revelation uh, in just a minute, we do have a conference coming up at the end of October. It's going to be a great conference. It's got, uh, we've got a couple special people coming. Uh, Brian Welch, who's uh, part of uh, Corn. You may have heard his testimony. You've seen the guy with the long dreadlocks, uh, not Todd White, the other wrong dreadlock guy. And uh, Brian Welsh, amazing guy. I watched him for a number of years after his conversion. He'd go sit on his 
roof every day and just commune with God. And he was getting detoxed from a lifestyle of uh, the music that he was playing and everything else. And anyway, he's going to be here. He's going to talk about worship, what it's meant to his life. Jason Upton is coming. Jason, we're going we're gonna to probably get together a little 30-second clip for you in the future here on a Sunday morning so you can see this guy's a magnificent worship leader, very antiphonal in the sense of congregation platform, congregation platform, prophetic guy. You're going to love it. Uh, who else is coming? Banning Liebscher is coming. How could I forget Banning? Banning from Jesus Culture and Rita Springer is coming. So it's going to be from Wednesday night to a Friday night, and it is going to be powerful at the end of October. Anyway, you can sign up right now. It's a little cheaper if you get on there right now and sign up. Please do that. It helps us out a lot when people sign up early. It gives us some cash flow. If you own a business, you understand that. All right, Revelation chapter 5. Is there anything else I need to announce? I get all these last minute. Uh, no, I think that's it. Hey, we had a... Uh, is uh, is Sulemi in here? Where's Sulemi at? Still, let me stand up a minute. This is the new Mrs. Witt. Yes. She, she, they just got back from their honeymoon. Josh Witt, my son, married Salemi. And I told her today, I, you know, she hasn't heard it very often, but hey, Mrs. Witt. You know, I only have one Mrs. Witt in my life, and now we got two. So very thankful and, and excited for them and congratulate them if you see them. After the meeting, Revelation chapter five, we are on word. I want to talk a few minutes about lions and lambs, lions and lambs, lions and lambs. Who's called the lion in the Bible? Yeah, the devil's called that too, you know. He's like a roaring lion. He's a wannabe. Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is praise, by the way. Praise should be the, bring the lion out in you. You know, you kind of go, I don't know, I just, you know, I got up late today, I looked out the window, it was raining outside, and thank the Lord, I mowed the lawn yesterday, but it's raining, it's just, you know, it's Cleveland, and just be glad you do not live in England. It's like this every day in England, or Eastern Canada. I'll say that for my mother-in-law. It's like this all the time up there. Rain, rain, rain. You can overcome that. You can break out of that. Sometimes you begin to worship in times when it doesn't feel like it, and you feel the lion rising up within you. I do it, man. I, you know, at home, I'm fortunate enough to have this Bose speaker in front, and I, I just crank the thing up, and I listen to worship music. I listen to the lion song. I listen to... I love We the Kingdom, you know, I love Hillsong, I love Elevation, all kinds of Bethel music, of course, all kinds of different music. I crank it up, Cindy's not home, she's off working somewhere. And I, you know, there's, I have no kids around any longer, so I can just like, my house is a house of prayer and a house of worship, you know, so I love it. And it's so empowering. There's something about entering into the worship of the Lord is very empowering. Jesus was lion, but he was also the lamb. And the lamb is always seen pretty much through scripture, particularly Jesus Christ on. It's seen as the sacrificial lamb, which was a part of the Old Testament sacrifice, the understanding. But Jesus allowed himself to become the paschal, 
Passover sacrificial lamb to offer his blood up. I know it sounds gory to people that are not into Christianity, do not understand this thing, but blood was shed for you that you might have eternal life. It's an option. It's like the two trees in the garden. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the tree of life. There's always an option. I love how God gives you options. Two. <laughs> what do you want to go, life or death? Let's see. Which do I want to choose? Destruction or abundance? Hmm, which one do I want to choose? Beauty or ugly? Which do I want to choose? I mean, this is the choice all throughout Scripture. And it actually is your choice right now. I've been reading a lot over the past week about uh, there's this thing going through the church, not, not necessarily here, but through the church across the nation. A lot of articles coming out on uh, deconstruction of Christianity. Deconstructionism is actually something where you reassess what you've been taught your whole life. Whether you're in Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or whatever, people do this. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, sometimes it can be very constructive to deconstruct. You look and say, why do I believe this thing? Why do I believe that women do not have a role in the church? That needs a little bit of deconstructing. Women do have a role in the church. But there's still a lot of churches out there that do not believe that. Why do I believe that actually we can worship uh, exuberantly and joyfully and even dance around? You know, I, I, was, I remember when, when I was growing up, I shouldn't be saying this, but anyway, uh, I was growing up in, in my church that I grew up when they, we finally brought a drummer in. I know, I know this sounds crazy, but we're talking like, you know, 1971. And there were not drums in churches, trust me, back then. And, uh, you know, music wasn't to reflect anything of the world, and rock and roll was on the rage right now. And Jesus music was about to emerge big time in about 1972. And so uh, a young guy came in and played the drums, and someone made the decision uh, without conferring with the pastor. And when he heard the drums, he got up. I'll never forget his So He got up afterwards and said, that will not happen again. <laughs> and, I, and so there were no drums for a while. We had it for one Sunday and then it left for a while. But eventually it came back. It was, it was one of those irrefutable forces that drums wanted to be uh, used to worship God also. And so, uh, so they came back. I know you, you, now you think, that's just silly. That's crazy. No, that was part of a, a spiritual war that we were going through back in the 60s and 70s, you know. And so you do shed certain things. But you shed certain things so that you can focus on things that are absolute. Never shed absolutes. That's not to be a part of deconstruction. That is destruction. That is destruction of Christianity when you shed the basic principles that have held strong in Christianity for 2,000 years. That Jesus Christ is God. He's the Son of God, sent by God through his immense love for you. He sent his Son to be a sacrifice. Literally, it says in Philippians chapter 2 that he set aside his divinity. Nobody knows what that means. I've read a lot of commentaries on it. Well, I think it means this. Well, I think it means that. Well, I think... Whatever, it, whatever they debate, he made himself in such a way that he would not have any special advantage. He wanted to walk the life that you walked so that he could walk it depending upon the Father to touch him, to even to raise him from the dead. 
The Bible says that Jesus raised Himself from the dead, the Holy Spirit raised Him from the dead, and the Father raised from the dead. There was unity and agreement. Come forth. <laughs> what hell thought he could contain Jesus, Jesus ripped off hell and marched them forward and came forth and not only walked among men for 40 days, but then ascended into the heaven. This is the gospel. He ascended into the heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God until he makes the earth his footstool. That's a story. So I follow Jesus Christ. Do not be fooled. I'm a follower of Jesus all the way. I have been my, really almost my entire life. And I invite you to follow Jesus Christ. You will not be disappointed. Will there be disappointments in your life? Oh yeah. Will there be sickness and pain and sorrow and brokenness and hurt? Oh yeah, we're still on earth. Look around, turn to the person next to you and say, this is earth. And just to shake them up, say, and it is round. Some people are like, what? I don't agree with that. Round earth. This is earth. Stuff happens. Evil entities all over the place. I love when I talk with certain people and they go, I don't believe in evil. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a family? Do you ever feel any attacks to your family? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got this neighbor. Okay. Let's just put evil over that but God can change them. We are here to displace evil. We are here to bring the light of Jesus Christ that we shine in darkness. Remember John 1, chapter, week, chapter 1 last week when I said the word became flesh, the word became flesh. Do you know that we follow the path of Jesus Christ and the word is to become flesh in you? And he dwelt among them. We need to dwell among them. Among who? Well, he gives you context a little later on. Among the darkness. You said, but I work in a very dark place. Someone told me the other day they work in a place that's like hell. And after they described it, I thought, you're probably pretty close. <laughs> and they've been there over 40 years. 40 years in hell. Here in Cleveland. I know that's hard to believe. 40 years in hell. But there's something about it because... He can do it because he's light in the midst of darkness. And the Bible says that light becomes life, or that life becomes light, and the light dwells among men, and the darkness does not comprehend it. You will not be understood most times. Sometimes you will. Sometimes you'll penetrate the heart of darkness, you'll touch somebody, and you'll be so shocked at what simple thing you said that God will use to convert someone and cause them to want to follow and know about Jesus Christ. But you got to open your mouth. you got to be a light. you got to come out. You can't hide under a bushel. You can't be a lamp that's closed off. You are a city of light set upon a hill. And you need to shine. Let people shine. Let the light of God shine in you and go forth. That is walking the word of Jesus Christ. And the word of God in you will shine forth every day in your life. Revelation chapter five, verse five and six. I gotta get on this because I got a lot of scripture to read here. Verse five and six. But one of the elders said to me, this is Revelation five, five through six. Not called revelations. I hear a lot of people say that's Revelation five, verse five through six. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Doesn't mean David's root. It means the root from David. So he came from David, has prevailed. So the lion, I, I highlight that in my text here, lion and prevailed, lion and prevailed. Jesus is a lion and he prevails to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. He opens, he loosens. He opens, he loosens. He opens hearts, he loosens. He opens hearts and minds, he loosens. That's the lion. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures. By the way, have you read about those creatures? Oh, scary good, man. I mean, wings with eyes all over the wings. And they're looking to and fro. And you know, they never take their eyes off of the Lord. No matter where they go. If they go to the left, they go like this. If they go to the right, they go like this. If they go backwards, they go like this. They move always with their eyes set upon the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Lord, all God, Lord of God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They've been saying it for millions of years. And so we look in the four living creatures in the midst of the elders. What, what was there? Stood a lamb. Oh, wait, I thought there was a lion. Lion of the tribe of Judah, one outstanding a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The spirit of God moving out of the slain lamb. So we have this uh, juxtaposition of lion, lamb, lion. Now look at Revelation 12. Turn over a few pages or scroll down in your phone. Verse 7 through 12, so you got the lion and the lamb, lion and the lamb, lion and the lamb, lion from the tribe of Judah, root out of David, lamb of God that has been slain with the spirit of God on him going into all points on the earth. Revelation 12 verse 7 says this, and a war broke out in heaven. <laughs> Every time I read this, it kind of encourages me a little bit. If war can break out in heaven, why am I complaining down here? People go, we had a split in the church. Someone left the church. And I'm, you know, what can you do? I mean, I, I hate when it happens, but it's like, oh, there's something wrong with our church. I said, no, there isn't. This is what happens. I said, did you know in heaven there was a split? A third of the church left in heaven. Angels, a third of them. In fact, they were kicked out. I thought I'd get more laughs on that, but it really wasn't that funny, was it? <laughs> <laughs> they got kicked out. And then Jesus comes down and forms a little tribe of 12 people. And at the end of their three years together, oh, by the way, in the middle of it, they all considered leaving. To the point where Jesus said, are you gonna leave me also? And Peter said, where will we go? But you hold the words of life. But at the end of his life, one committed suicide one denied him three times as he was being taken away by the guards in fulfillment of a prophecy that Jesus had just given him that he said would never happen. He denied three times and on that rock, he's building the church, that guy. That's not a very promising future. And then at the cross, the 10 that were left, one showed up. He said, well, Jesus wasn't a very good builder. 
He chose the wrong guys. These guys were nuts. Two of them wanted to call fire down on their enemies. I mean, have you read about these disciples? They were breaking Sabbath laws, wanting to kill people. One guy pulled out his sword to cut a guy's head off. You can tell he was a fisherman. He wasn't a very good swordsman. And he cut his ear off. How do you cut someone's ear off with a sword? They had to have ducked. Right across the top. Good thing he didn't take the head off because Jesus reached over, got the ear, put it back on the guy, and it healed up. It would have been a little more difficult with the head putting it back on there. <laughs> there you go. I mean, he is, he's the cleanup guy behind the disciples sweeping through this. And you look at them, and in the middle of it all, he turns to Peter and says, Peter, because Peter just said something really good. He said, <laughs> this is the way Jesus talks. He said, flesh and blood, blood did not reveal that to you. In other words, you didn't get that on your own. That's what he's saying. You didn't get that on your own. But from my Father, which is in heaven, it was a revelation that came to him. I mean, I imagine this. When I read scripture, I see a lot more funny things in it. I imagine Jesus laughing when he says this. And he probably said, because <laughs> Peter was always coming up with stuff. He looks at Peter like, oh, Peter, <laughs> where did you get that? I know you didn't get that. That had to come from the Father. And when he confesses something, Jesus says, upon this rock, there's great debate on what that rock was. I believe it was Peter. Upon, because he's speaking to Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. He is putting the future of the church, the bride of Christ, on a guy who denounces him three times, fervently, the night, uh, the night he was arrested. So you look at that, I have much faith for the church. I sat with someone the other day and they said, you know, I was in their house and they said, you know, they're not part of our church. And they said, the church is just so broken. I mean, this guy oversees a big business. He says, the people are better in my business that do not even serve the Lord than people in the church. I said, of course. He said, what do you mean, of course? I said, well, because they don't see their need. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. A physician doesn't come for the well, but for the sick. So everyone here today is sick. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm in the process of being healed. So don't come up, come up and tell me the church is broken. I'll go, hey, you are. And I'd be one of them. We are constant in need of the Lord Jesus Christ and his great mercy in our lives. We call upon grace. I call upon grace all the time. Sometimes mercy, usually grace. Revelation 12 verse seven says this war breaks out in heaven. That's how I got off on that. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Oh, so we got a lion, we got a lamb, and now we got a dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Now, so I circled in my Bible, dragon, not prevail. Right? We had lion prevail, dragon not prevail, 
nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. That's a euphemistic, kind way of saying they were booted out. In fact, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That's pretty fast. That's a, that's a good 186,000 miles a second. So it's fast uh, displacement out of heaven. And it says here, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, serpent, dragon, serpent. So we got lion, lamb, dragon, serpent. Do you understand the sides now? Lion, lamb, dragon, serpent. Lion, lamb, dragon, serpent. Of old called the devil and Satan. A few extra names there. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word, everyone say word, by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even unto death. I love that passage. I use it all the time. Even when we pray on Wednesday mornings at 6.30, we get together. By the way, you're welcome to come anytime, right? Right out here in the lobby. 6.30, Wednesday mornings, two hours we pray, but you don't have to come that long. You can pop in anytime. It's usually a dozen of us or so. I'm here every Wednesday and we're praying for about two hours. We pray for the nation, pray for the church, pray for you, all kinds of things. So come out and join us. It's a great thing. But when we're there, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And I speak the word of testimony. I love declaring into heavenly places. I love speaking out what God is doing because it is a powerful weapon against darkness when you do that. And love not your lives even unto death. The Bible says that our weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood, but spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. So what this is speaking of is disposition. So what I wanna talk about, the power of the word to create disposition. When the word of God is in you, you are taking on Jesus himself, for Jesus was the word. Word was God. The word came down and dwelt among us. It was Jesus. The word in you causes you to have the very nature and the very disposition of the, the lamb and the lion. Now, this is interesting because this is something I've looked at for a long time. I love the, the tension between lion and lamb. I think lions eat lambs. I've seen some YouTube videos and that happens. So lambs are not fierce. Lambs are a little more passive. Bah. Lions. Lion, the scripture even declares that the righteous are as bold as a lion. There's a lion in you and there's a lamb in you because you have the nature of Christ in you. The word of God is in you. I'm just telling you right now because there's a whole lot of lambs that are just laying in the pasture and God's about to awaken them up. The roaring lambs. All right, got one right over here. They're roaring already, yeah? Let me just give you a few stories about this. Abraham. Abraham was a lion and a lamb. Abraham was a shepherd. He was a peacemaker. He was not somebody who chose war first. By the way, our nation should never just jump into wars. It really shouldn't. 
They need to learn only in just wars. What, what goes back now, 1,600 years, the concept of just wars. That is true just, and you've got to define what just is because just gets stretched in all kinds of different areas. But anything that directly affects the safety and peace of the nation you're in is a just war. I mean, right now in the world, we could be involved in probably 50 different wars. There is injustice going on all over the world. Nations that we associate with, nations that we have, we have treaties with. And so there's horrible things going on in many of these countries. I was just talking to someone about Africa this morning and I had heard stories about it. I was glad to hear that those stories, you know, those stories are, uh, are true depending on where you are in a particular nation. But uh, Abraham was a peaceful person. But in a moment, in the day of the Lord, in a moment in your life, lambs will be called to be lions. And it's a part of your nature. Last week, if you didn't get it, sorry, the video didn't work last week. We do have the audio. But uh, the audio from last week, the, uh, the concept the Lord gave me was that the love of God is different than some of what we think the love of God is. The love of God is what we would call in today's culture tough love sometimes. <laughs> in fact, it says in Hebrews, I didn't even bring this up last week. It's a good capstone, though. In Hebrews, it says in, in chapter 12, it says, and the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. We always love that, okay, discipline, you know, the Lord's going to come alongside and go, hey, you know, don't take your bicycle over there. I want your bicycle over here. Stay, you know, stay out of the road. Don't go on the road. That's how we picture the Lord. He's kind of like our father or the father we wanted to have. And that's true. He is like that. But in that case, in Hebrews 12, he's not. In fact, it says he scourges those whom he loves. Wait, what? I taught that once at a father's heart concert conference. I just went into this father's heart atmosphere and I was a leader, so I was able to do that. And I said, let's look at a different side of the father's heart because all the father's heart teaching was, oh, he loves you, he is with you, he's gonna heal your broken heart. You know, then I went to Hebrews 12. Everyone's like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you quoting this? It's scripture. We need to understand who God is and understand what he has called us to do. He's not called us to lay down and be lambs every day. We're sacrificial lambs. We have a love that's willing to lay down their lives for other people. But there's also a lion of the tribe of Judah within you. And there'll be times when you need to speak. And so I spoke about that last week. I told you about Jesus. When, when, he, when the disciples came to him and said, or not disciples, when the Pharisees came to him and said, Herod is seeking to kill you. He's looking for you. Jesus said, you tell that fox. You ever read that? You don't hear many sermons on that, do you? You tell that fox, Herod. You said, well, Jesus can do that. He's God. You know, maybe he's having a bad moment. I don't know what was going on. That fox, by the way, which means unclean animal. You tell that unclean animal. I'm here healing the sick. We'll create miracles tomorrow and on the third day be perfected. What's he saying? He said, you looking for me? Here I am. That's not the lamb. That's not the Jesus I know. That's not the guy on the chosen. No, but it's Jesus. Does he do it every day? No. But just know that that lamb that you're petting has a lion inside of them. 
And at certain times when there's a threat against truth, the lion rises up. And right now, lion's about to rise up in America. We're, gonna, we're going through... I've been warning you about this. I don't know if you paid attention or not, but we're about to go through two years of, of some challenges. I, 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 I'm trying to lighten it up as much as I can. There's gonna be some major challenges over the next two years. I feel it's already in the air, so it's probably a little bit over two years, but leading right up, we're gonna be right up to when, really a little bit more than two years, up until the 250th uh, birthday of the United States, which is 2026, right? 2026. So these next years are going to be difficult. There's going to be highlights. There's going to be good times. But just know it's going to be a challenge and your faith is going to be tested during this time. You say, well, I'm just going to lay low and... Uh, no, 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 that's not, the, that's not the path. That's not the strategy. Why well, do I don't want to get angry or use my voice? Okay, well, let's look into that real quick. Uh, go with me over to... Um, Ephesians 4, because we're in that last week. Ephesians 4. And, and I'll, I'll finish reading this because it's, it's got a lot of detail. And of course, I do a podcast on Wednesday. It drops on Tuesday. I think it drops on Wednesday, something like that. If you want more detail, I'll do it during that podcast. So you can get more detail than what time allows here. But in Ephesians 4, remember this is pre, I mentioned this last week, it's pre-Ephesians 6, obviously. Ephesians 6 is the armor of God. But in armor of God, you put on truth. You gird your loins with truth. Girding the loins. Remember, I was talking about Josh. Josh, I talked about you last week. And those low pants in the back, you know? That was last week while you were away on your honeymoon. And how you can't run fast when those pants are low. You got to hike them up, you know, to run. In the kingdom of God, you got to hike your pants up to run. And what is that? That hiking up is truth. So we just can't lay around. We've got to hike our pants up and say, I've got to speak truth. And then later on he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that's the only offensive weapon given to that spiritual soldier is the word of God. You hike your pants up in truth and you pull out the spirit of truth and begin to use the word of God in situations. That's where the lion begins to emerge and God's calling the lions, the lambs in America to be stirred, to be, you know, what we used to say in the, in the 80s for obvious reasons, you know, it's, well, we're lambs, we're lambs, we're all lambs. And then all of a sudden the spirit comes on you and you emerge as a lamb bow. A Lambo is a warring lamb. Rises up. Ask Sylvester Stallone about it. A Lambo. I'm coming for vengeance. How does a Christian live as a Lambo? Let's look at Ephesians 4. It says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy in the calling which you were called. And it talks about bearing with one another in love and keeping unity and a bond of peace. That is so important because everything I read, the outward edges of what we fight for right now, we fight for these things, love, unity, and peace. But you have to speak out. You have to declare. You have to be willing to get out of yourself and allow the spirit of the very tribe of the lion of Judah to speak through you. And it says that we no longer be children. Sorry, you can't lay there. You, you know, if your child is four years old and wanting to sleep in on Saturday morning, it's okay. If they're 42, maybe not so much. 
to get up. We got stuff to do. There's an awakening right now, a calling us to wake up. You sleepers, wake up. I feel it in my own heart. Wake up. Don't be children any longer tossed to and fro. I see people all the time. I talk with people every week and they're being tossed to and fro and I don't know what to do. You don't understand what I'm going through and what the situation is. Going back and forth by every wind of doctrine and trickery of men, which we've got rampant right now in the United States, and cunningness, craftiness of deceitful plotting. Does that not describe where we are right now? Yeah, I think so. But... Speaking the truth in love may grow up. This is the key to everything. Bethel, we've got to learn how to speak with love. I was talking to someone on the phone this week, does not go to this church, is not a follower of Jesus. And they asked me about this situation that fit right in with what I've been talking about. And I said, well, we call that speaking the truth in love. That sometimes you've got to speak out and say something. What we've done in the church is we just ghost people or cancel people. We do. Say, I'm just not gonna hang out with them any longer because I feel a bad vibe from that. Well, if they're persecuting you, it's fine to say, look, you are not good for my life and I can't hang around with you until there's change. I understand that. But we've, we've made all these weird boundaries that leads us into a little tribe of people that will say yes to us all the time. Oh, you're, lo- you're wonderful. You're good. I love you. You're excellent. Those are your couple friends, you know. It's, it's good to have a few people around like that. Sometimes even Cindy does that. <laughs> but you're speaking the truth of love. Actually, a depth of relationship, which we have 44 years, demands truth to be spoken, and it better be spoken in love. You know the church is the laboratory of love. There's a big tack on the church right now. And I go, if you don't have the church, you don't have people to practice on. If you don't have the church, you don't have broken, hurting, wounded people to talk to. And when they get irritated at you, you can't even take communion until you get straightened out. Biblically. You get the communion out, you think of that person like, oh, shoot. Are they here? I hope not. Oh, they're here. They're not in this section. I'm sorry for looking over there. They're here. What do you have to do? You have to take your little cup and go over there and say, hey, before I can take this communion, I just want to... You said that's legalism. No, that's saving your life. Because the Bible says some have taken in an unworthy manner and have fallen asleep, which is a euphemism for died. So it's helpful that if you've got issues with other people... You say, well, I don't really have issues with other people. Or it also says, or if other people have issues with you. Like communion service probably should be about an hour and a half long on Sundays. I got a list of about 10 people I need to go to right now, you know. And then I got a text about 20 after that. So we're just taking communion like, oh yeah, it kind of tastes a little funny today, you know. We're forgetting that this is the, the blood of the lamb. The stripes laid upon his back. Do not take it in an unworthy manner. And so we learn to speak truth. We have to. We survive by speaking truth. We learn to lovingly confront one another, but we've got to do it in love. And someone this week said, well, I'm going to have to wait because I don't think I could do it in love right now. I said, okay, I understand that. 
The Bible says, don't let sun go down in your wrath. I don't, I don't want to be legal about that, you know, because sometimes it, if it happens at six o'clock, it's a little hard to fit it in. If you're going to have an argument with your wife, do it after the sun sets. It gives you a full 24 hours. <laughs> so what do you need to do? We do it with our spouses. We say, I know what I'm going to need to do. I'm going to need to say, I'm sorry. We're going to figure this out. I'm going to say, you know, this behavior is, is it, it, it triggers something within me. You know, use whatever contemporary terms you need to use. But the bottom line is you're saying, I, I, I forgive you for that. And would you forgive me? By the way, saying you're sorry, we learned 40 years ago is not, not the best thing. You say sorry for things that you had nothing to do with. I'm sorry. But things that you had something to do with, you ask for forgiveness. That's where it brings in humility. We say, would you forgive me? And, you know, and then you get that pause where people are like, well, I'm not sure. Well, the ball's now in their court. No communion for you. <laughs> so in the church, we are learning to love. You say, what is all that about? I don't, I don't know. What, what, what does that even mean? Well, the Lord gave us the church so we could work this out here so we could take it out there. How can we speak out there if we can't even get unity in the church and peace and joy within a church? So if we got a problem with someone, and I say this directly to you right now, if you got a problem with someone in this church, you need to go talk to them about it. Take them out for coffee. It doesn't have to be today, but just set it in your mind and say, let's, let's do this. Let's get together this week. I want to chat with you about something. And anytime you're sharing something that's difficult that you think will be difficult for them to receive, you always bless them with some kind of a gift. You bring flowers, you bring a gift, you buy the meal, whatever it is, you show tangible love. You say, but I don't feel like loving them. Then you act like you love them. You mimic Jesus. If you wait till you feel it, it could be 30 years. I got wounded when I was uh, 23 years old, uh, 25 years old. I got kicked out of the church that I started. And not only did I get kicked out of that church, but I got relatively excommunicated. No one would talk to me because they were told not to talk to me. It was weird. And for a year, Cindy and I uh, had to work through that. And I tried to talk to them and there, there was no, they, you know, I'm wrong. They're right. It's just the way it is. When you're ready to repent, come back. And uh, so for a year, it was right when I moved to Canada. For a year, I had to pray for them every day. I was doing the Larry Lee uh, prayer at that time, the Father's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, you know, Father which art in heaven, you break it down to seven different parts and you know, you pray and an hour's over. He raised an, up an army of over a million people to do that. I was one of them. And so in Canada, I own my Kerosun heater. Yeah, it was called Kerosun though, the heater. Kerosun heater with kerosene in it. And I would, <laughs> sorry, just, I'll get you flowers later on. <laughs> Walk in. I'd walk back and forth and I'd look, bless. I'm not going to name their names, but I would because Paul did. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Avoid him. How you like that? Is that the spirit of Christ? It's been in scripture now for 2,000 years. So I'm walking back and forth and I'm mentioning these people's names. Not like Paul, but I'm just mentioning. Saying, Lord, touch them, bless them, Lord. Because I learned you need to bless your enemies. So I thought, Lord, bless them. And then I, they were well-known individuals in the church world, like magazine level. And I'd read about them in the magazines, how God's prospering them. I'm like, shoot. 
to answering my prayers. I mean, really, I felt like praying, Lord, bless them, but you know. Just modify it a little bit, you know. Throw a little suffering in there, maybe, you know. But they got blessed, blessed, blessed. And to the point I was in Eastern Canada, someone came in and gave me their magazine, the magazine that these people put out. They said, hey, have you ever seen this cool new magazine? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the magazine, but I know the people. I have, had to go back out front on the front porch again the next day, like, okay, Lord, we're starting over here. <laughs> Lord, bless them. I pray, a year, a year, you know how long it took for that to be reconciled? Almost to the day, it was to the month and almost to the day, 10 years. Wow. 10 years, but I finally dealt with it in my heart where it didn't bother me. To the point when I met them, I had no ought against them at all because the Lord had created love. And when they came to me, they, they had no idea I was like wounded like this. They've been living their life and doing great things, you know, and care less what's going on in my life. But uh, when I talked to them, I, I, I spoke to them and I, I felt the favor of God upon their lives. I felt that I had reached a place of releasing them and blessing them. And then they asked me, they said, they called me and they said this. They said, Steve, you know, remember when you left the church, you know, when we, I said, yeah, I do. I recalled that. He said, well, you know, I don't know. We ever talked about this or not, but, but um, is there anything that you think we could have done better? I mean, my mind was like, <laughs> I was thinking like of the first 100, the top 100, let's say, things you could have done better, but it didn't. In my heart, it had been dealt with. And been dealt with. I said, no. I said, you know what? And I, I learned from Joseph. <laughs> I didn't say this exactly because I didn't want to indict them. But what men intend for evil, God can bring about for good. Amen. Did you know that every difficulty I've had in my life, and we've had many as pastors, I've learned over 44 years of this that it's always for my good. It doesn't feel that way. But it's, uh, that's, that's what I, the testimony of that sticks in my heart. I, this feels very painful right now. I feel emotional about it, but somehow this is gonna be for my good. Amen. And so I'm gonna do what is right. I'm gonna stick with what's true. And at the end of the day, God will bring this about in the way that he wants it to be. Let's all stand together if we could. Sorry for taking so long. So. Feel like we need to have communion, but we'll give you a week. Just make a list, get it together, and we'll offer it all up to the Lord next Sunday. Jay, come on up. Yeah, Jesus, Holy Spirit, just come right now. Move in our midst, Lord. I tell you, there's a move of the Spirit right now. Some of you, even things that happened, things that happened many years ago. Happened many years ago. You need to tie a bow on it. And I've done that. I, 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 yeah, I don't want to give details. I've done it. When the Lord has brought someone up into my mind, I, sometimes I've sent them money. Just said, I was thinking about you. What, what, what does that do? It eradicates a story, it eradicates a narrative. It's speaking the truth with love. It's the lion and the lamb. 
the lion. It's the nature of Christ. It's not my nature, naturally. But in Jesus Christ, I feel the lion inside. So we're going to learn how to be a lion with the heart of a lamb that was slain. And in this political season, over these next couple years, there's going to be so much stuff swirling around. There's, there are lies. There's so many lies swirling around right now. I, can't, I wouldn't even be able to keep track of it. We don't even know where truth is, actually. Do I go to YouTube? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Oh, my gosh. Where is the truth? Where do you go for the truth? Is it CNN, MSNBC, Fox News? The truth is in Christ. You're called first as a citizen of heaven and secondly, a citizen of this world. But I was reading the Constitution this week of the United States and the Declaration of Independence. And it stirs my heart to think there's a, there's a seed of hope in our nation right now in this, this horrible moment. It's, the, it's when the plow goes into the soil of a nation. We are in a moment, I believe, that is ripe for revival. And so I'm calling for an awakening right now. Jay, that may be what you want to talk about here in a minute. Just, we'll be gone in just a minute. Just hold on for a few seconds here. But Jay, pray for them. There's someone here too that doesn't know Jesus. We need to get them into the boat, in the fellowship. Get them into the fellowship. We might sail together into this beautiful life in Jesus. You just say yes to Jesus Christ. But I also ask, Lord, for a charging of these folks to be able to stand in the midst of a dark cloud moving over this nation right now, that they will thrive in the midst of it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.